1: Time to actually
0: talk about some real basketball games for the first time in a while with all this trade deadline buzz. Although, don't worry, we still got plenty to talk about there too. Gotta catch up on some news. Danny and I haven't really had a chance to give just our general thoughts on the AD situation. Obviously, we did have plenty of information there in the mock trade deadline, especially part one. So if you haven't listened to that yet, we'll get a lot of it there. But uh, let's start here with talking a little bit more uh, about that situation now, Danny. Uh, Some additional news has come out here And really the idea of what his preference is seems to be a little bit muddled. Chris Haynes said it's the Knicks and Lakers. Boston is not a desired destination. Others say no, Kyrie and AD are are really close. They want to play together. If you ask around, you'll hear that Boston has some quiet confidence that AD does want to be there. But Woj also saying then that AD is expected to inform teams that he wants to go to the Lakers and would be a rental elsewhere. So if you're another team and let's say AD says, hey, you know what? I wanna go to the Lakers. If you trade for me, don't expect me to re-sign in the summer of 2020. Would you still offer enough just for a year and a half and then a prayer potentially at keeping them after 2020, would you still offer enough to beat that? What we think the LA Lakers offer would be, we know what their assets are. We've talked about that extensively on the mock trade deadline.
2: I would seriously consider it and a big part of the reason why is the 2020-21 season which would be anthony davis's first after free agency would be lebron's age 35 season sorry age 36 season he he will be 35 at the start but that's his age 36 season his birthday is in december so anthony davis has talked numerous times uh rachel nichols on the jump played part of her interview with him i think that was a little while back talking about how competitiveness was important to him and then there was a mention of what Kevin Garnett did in his prime we don't know I mean LeBron has been so amazingly durable over the course of his career and He has been very good, not at the same level as, as, you know, like the prime of his career so far this season, but the Lakers would be making a pretty big bet because in order to retain the flexibility to sign Anthony Davis, because presumably whatever team he's on then would not facilitate, then they can't really put much on their books beyond what they already have. And... So it's a little bit different, let's say, than Kawhi Leonard, where not only are the Raptors a really good team, but we already knew the Lakers and the Clippers were going to have a lot of cap space. 2020 Lakers are not the same thing as 2019 Lakers for a lot of different reasons.
0: Yeah, and really between then and now, what would be joining soon to be 36 year old LeBron with AD in Los Angeles? Now, maybe AD, you know, if it's not just about winning, just wants to be in LA and he thinks that they can get some of their guys there on a discount, or just, you know, he wants to be the face of the Lakers franchise for years to come following even the decline of lebron and we've seen both kareem and shaq kind of did that you know the lakers had a decent team but they didn't have kobe bryant yet when shaq went there they had to lose a fair number of the guys that they had although you know they still had van exel and eddie jones and and those guys so you know they were able to be competitive but they weren't necessarily a championship contender when shaq got there and same thing obviously when kareem went to la from uh, milwaukee so, maybe AD just wants to be the face of the Lakers for a 10 year period, and that's his plan. But if taking him at his word that competitiveness is the most important thing, then yeah, I mean, I think, you know, LeBron a year and a half from now, I mean, he was still playing at a level last playoffs where you could talk about him as the best in the game still played well enough this season before the groin injury that you had a feeling that he could ramp it up to that level again in the playoffs but it's got to happen at some point for him to decline and even if it's a a slight one he and ad may not be enough to get it done now if the warriors were to break up and you just sort of have to beat other garden variety best team in the league type of teams then yeah maybe that would be a, a good enough group but No, I think I would take my chances because the reality is that Lakers package just isn't impossible to beat, you know, and especially if you're making the move now. Now, if you're Boston, maybe it's a little different because you don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie this summer necessarily presumably he returns but you know there's been rumblings on that score that maybe he doesn't and if Kyrie returns then yeah I think you just go all in with AD and try to convince him to stay and say hey we're gonna have a better team here in Boston with guys like Tatum still in the fold Al Horford if he comes back Hayward hopefully will take another step forward again or won't be on the team anymore but they have a much better base with I think Kyrie and AD and all those other guys than AD and LeBron the the year following so that's I would do it if I were Boston in the Summer, what they need to do to assure the Pelicans that they will be right there in the process with an appropriate offer. Difficult to say. There's going to be a lot of trust required there. We saw in the mock off season that uh, that trust wasn't enough to convince KP to do the deal. I think there's a greater chance in reality that. That can be achieved, and I think one of the other things that's notable here is Stein is reporting that it's very much on the table that even if AD doesn't get moved at the trade deadline, that he will have played his last game for the team. They have all these other injuries with peyton out, Randall, Miritich. I mean, they're just not going to compete. They're not going to make the playoffs, even even though they've been plucky these last two games with Kendrick Williams and Jalil Okafor stepping up. You know, they're they're not going to continue that. They're too far behind. So why not just shut AD down, prevent him from getting injured? I think both the Pels and AD would prefer that. So the the, the asset is still there in the summer. And at the very least, you might as well, and, and you make your own draft pick better. And then you might as well, at least as of now, make noises that you'll just shut him down until the summer, because that kind of makes these other teams fearful that, oh, wait a minute, maybe the Celtics are kind of making a deal here behind the scenes so we better come with our best offers now before the trade deadline before the celtics can get involved if they are willing to just shut him down and essentially trade him in the summer so a lot of really interesting moving pieces here
2: one other moving piece i want to mention here is that the lakers best case scenario in my opinion is signing somebody before they acquire davis now that presumably means they acquire davis you know it could even be where they uh, they agree to the terms in june and then consummate it in July after the signing happens. And the reason why is because almost every reasonable trade where the Lakers acquire Anthony Davis lessens their 2019 cap space. And so thus... It makes it harder to sign somebody. Now, maybe that person will take a pay cut, maybe something else. But let's, I mean, it could be, it could be any number of of great players. And that's the best case scenario for the Lakers because then you have three pieces. You have a, and there are a bunch of different third guys that make a ton of sense around LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like those are guys that you can put a lot of different pieces around. So if the lakers are really thinking with that approach then there might be some motivation on their end to delay it the problem is if you as you and i believe that their offers are just inferior to boston's if boston actually throws their pieces in is is a legitimate concern and then also Other teams' draft picks will look; certain ones will look a lot more valuable too, because you can place it on a specific player. You know, maybe the number one pick goes to a team that has no interest in Anthony Davis, but maybe the Pelicans they start really scouting the top of this draft, they fall in love with a couple of guys, and so then the team with the three pick, whoever that is, that looks a lot more appealing than, especially in the modern lottery. Yeah,
0: but that's only that's only realistically going to be the Knicks. Like nobody who's in the lottery other than the Knicks is going to trade for them, like because because they're just well i bad. mean we'll,
2: we'll see least. where the sick the pick that the that the king's pick ends up like there are a couple of other ones that there's a, a shot of it
0: oh okay yeah well that's i mean that that king's pick is almost certainly going to be boston anyway so yeah. so uh, i mean and boston has more than enough assets the memphis sure. pick is another one with boston actually i was when, when we did the some of our trade deadline previews i was probably remiss in not talking up the value of that memphis pick now in trade uh, more than i should have even if that king's pick has declined so yeah that's uh it's, it's going to be tough for the Lakers. And yeah, they'd love to do that, but I just don't see how they're competitive with their offer in the summer. Another interesting thing, you talked about 2020. If they sign AD, basically the way the math works if they sign him in the summer of 2020 they wait until then to keep that cap space open brandon ingram has a 21 million dollar cap hold that summer and lonzo ball makes 11 million so this may not be a shocker but almost certainly one if not both of those guys would have to be gone even if you haven't signed other players at that point so it might even make sense if you think you're gonna get him in 2020 to trade those guys this summer anyway to get some expiring contracts that guys you could maybe either resign around lebron or that you could let go and bring in ad but yeah i mean when you look at how much lebron's going be making thirty nine million AD. His salary will be thirty five million. Throw that in with just some roster charges, you don't even have enough room for a max slot with the, where the salary cap is projected to be in the summer of twenty twenty. So it will be difficult to fill in uh, around those guys unless somebody decides to take a little bit less. LeBron's already locked in. AD would have to be the one to take a little bit less. So uh, we'll see. I mean, just how bad he wants to be with the Lakers. um But it does seem to me like their chance to do it is now and. And then there's the whole spite issue as well i mean the pelicans seem very uh very much like they are ready to move on you know gail benson met with the remainder of the team this week they removed ad from their hype video at home so it looks like they are really you know ready for this and you know maybe maybe that's a good sign i, I like the way the pels are handling this so far do you agree with that
2: i don't like taking him out of the video when he's still on the team i i think that's petty and well, I mean, I,
0: I don't give a shit about that. But, like, I mean, I think it's more just acknowledging that, like, the idea that, hey, you know, he may just never play for us again. That's the right decision. Isn't that well,
2: the that's, right decision? Well, it's it for them yeah i think it is for the league in for, general getting yeah. normalizing the idea that you can healthy scratch a guy for two and a half months that's a big problem and well, i
0: mean you know what, like he said he he said he wants a, a trade if he didn't want a trade then he would he would get to play Yeah, yeah. i mean that, that's like like and yeah it's ridiculous i mean i tweeted about this it's ridiculous for to be like oh yeah we can't rebuild in this market and then to be like oh yeah we're just gonna shut a guy down who you, the fans might want to actually like come see play for uh, two and a half months uh but maybe they feel like they are gonna just rebuild maybe they are gonna go with a more severe rebuilding plan this is the way they've at least started with this makes me feel that way they're gonna presumably try and tank and, and get a better pick which will be good oh there's so there's we'll what see. yeah
2: there's one other thing that the pelicans probably have done i can't directly attribute this to them that i've liked and that's we've seen a little bit of talking up of the lakers assets and why that's smart is because if you convince other teams that they like Lonzo Ball and maybe Brady or whatever whatever guys are in the package more well then you have to beat you have to you have to improve your offer in order to beat their valuation because just with all these things I mean we were wrong about this with the Oladipo Sabonis return for Paul George but it's a good reminder of the relative nature of this that you you have to have the best offer for that front office like that's the way this works and so you want to have those little inklings out there we think Lonzo Ball can be a star yeah theoretically that might make the Lakers a little bit chestier but the Lakers can't really change their offer very much
0: yeah I mean it could be throwing in the first I, I think really what it comes down to is you know is it going to be all four of their young guys or three and then how many first round picks are going to be in the deal that's that's where I think the inflection point is going to be um and let's see if there, if i got anything else in this ad thing no I, th- I think that's about it um and let's do a quick read here for burrow it's raining right now so there's nothing i'd rather do than post up on my burrow couch get one of the cats on my lap relax maybe fall asleep a little bit we've got it in our sunroom right now i've definitely been known to take an afternoon nap with the cats while i get ready to watch the games that night They've got free one week shipping, which is fantastic. So they'll show up in time for that get together that you're going to have next week. If you're embarrassed of your couch, or maybe your parents are coming to stay with you or something, and you need a new couch, you can get it really quickly. The other awesome thing about it is maybe you have a small apartment. You might want to just start off with their love seat. And then later on, you can always expand it, get a third cushion for it, expand it out. And it's really easy to put together. It took me about five minutes or so, and then you can easily take it apart and add that third cushion if you want to. Also, it's a USB charger for when you're really binge watching Your phone starts to die. Ah, you don't even have to get up now. So make sure you're set for whatever festivities that you have planned. Order a Burrow sofa today. You can take $75 off by visiting burrow.com slash capspace. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash capspace for $75 off your order. Once again, burrow.com slash capspace for $75 off. And don't forget to let them know with that slash capspace URL that you came from us we got a lot more news to get to here, but let's prattle on a bit about some actual NBA basketball for once. Which game did you want to talk about first here? We didn't have any real close games that were like our main games, but uh, some interesting takeaways nonetheless.
2: Thankfully, that wasn't a lead into talking about the awful Memphis-Minnesota game, which I can bring up a little bit later. But let's talk, and I, I, we were both excited about Hawks-Kings. It ended up not being as close, but I do think that it was an, an interesting exercise. And you and I at various moments this season have Talked about the importance of Nemanja Bialica and having a floor spacer at the four. The other guy that Sacramento picked up in a surprising fashion, because things fell apart with another negotiation, was Yogi Ferrell. And I think Yogi Ferrell's place on this in Sacramento's success is is maybe underappreciated and is important. And I'm really excited kind of about this second unit. It's also helped because Bogdanovich should be starting and is coming off the bench. But I I thought that their bench lineups looked really good in this game.
0: Yeah, they did. And the Hawks uh, bench units uh, did not look good. I mean, they lost by a ton and Trey Young was only negative five he actually had a pretty good game 23 points eight assists did have five turnovers that was a big problem the hawks transition defense was miserable as they lost it 135 to 113 i appreciated the king's broadcast by the way citing unpredictable to talk about the average number of seconds per possession on these teams the hawks i think are the fastest paced team in the league but they're actually number seven in offensive pace and the kings i think were number two so they pointed that out katie christensen uh i and i sorry i don't remember her uh new last name since she just got married but uh, she did a nice job of pointing out those differences you know it's the first time i've seen those type of stats referenced on a local broadcast so good job there king's broadcast does a really nice job also harry giles probably had his best game as a king plus 27 Davey Aker as the hawks actually made a little mini comeback right at the start of the third took willie collie stein out went to giles and he was 20 points 10 of 12 plus 27 uh had some really nice passes not all of them resulted in assists he only had one assist but he he was doing a good job timing guys up from the elbows i thought his jump hook game looked really really strong The, the hawks didn't have guys who were that strong guarding him a lot of times he got messed up in the post against a mismatch and while he doesn't really ever get fouled he still didn't shoot a free throw he was able to turn into the lane and really like make that last step towards the basket instead of getting knocked backwards on his hook great extension on his right and left-handed hooks and but he's getting it from a shorter range in this game than the kind of contested fading away a little bit you know he was shooting him from six feet instead of 10 feet and that's actually huge on that hook shot so he looked really good I thought he ran the floor very well the Kings bigs really ran the floor hard uh Marvin Bagley also had a good one had some nice plays where he was facing up out of the mid post actually had a, a good drive to his right he hit a couple of jumpers facing up and then he was able to use that quick first step when we talked about him in the draft process process we thought if he can hit that mid-range jumper then that sets up it, his drive game and, and that looked pretty good in this one he also popped off the floor for five offensive rebounds as the Kings completely destroyed the Hawks in the offensive class. offensive rebounds and the Hawks who generally do really well on the offensive class only had 19% so they got killed on the boards in this game got killed in the turnover department as they always do and that was a, a big problem they didn't really get outshot too badly in this one overall.
2: And a lot of the Hawks turnovers in this game were real, you know, kind of young young guy turnovers. Oh just like God. there was the one when John Collins walked on the court before he inbounded the ball. I think we- that
0: might have been the. I think they did that at the end of the Clippers game too. I, I believe say they did. Again. Yeah, yeah. They, it's the second time in two games they've like stepped over the end line when trying to inbound the ball after a made basket. Although, in fairness, part of the reason that happens is because they're trying to get it in really quickly. like they've been told to do that. Um, but still, uh, you know, you might want to not just turn the ball over before you've even thrown the inbounds pass. That, that's never a good thing.
2: And there was one, I think it was Benbry to Lynn, and the ball was just a mile away. And like, like those, those sorts, you're, there are turnovers that you can't avoid, and then there are turnovers you can. The Hawks were actually fortunate that fewer of their 21 turnovers were live ball. Only There were only six, or sorry, seven steals for Sacramento, but they still produced, you know, the overall produced 19 points off of turnovers, which is plenty. And Sacramento, not only do they do well in transition, their transition effectiveness is, is much better than like most teams than their half court effectiveness but there were also a series of broken plays that i'm not sure how like cleaning glass and all that count those where like giles had a couple of nice reads and and finishes and also the energy of their bigs really helped out like there was that one when buddy healed was driving he might have gotten fouled but he the layup missed and it was uncalled and then collie stein just followed the play he was the only big that made it back and he got the got the easy tip dunk and those sorts of energy plays would have been a bigger part of the story here if the game had been close in the first place but they just outplayed the hawks overall
0: yeah i mean the hawks have been playing very well they had that win at atlanta a relatively comfortable win until the very end uh you know they're 10 and 10 in their last 20 coming in but they they got run in this one and well trey young i thought you know did some good things offensively defensively i mean he really struggled they put him on healed healed came off of screens and was killing him in the third then they put him on fox fox went right through him for a layup he has shown a really bad ability to get over a screen either on or off ball you, know, you just he'll like try to dodge and then somehow decide to just pick the middle of where he's trying to dodge around and just run straight into the guy like it, it doesn't look very good there at all uh and yeah i think that's about all i've got uh, oh on this i have one, something unless you had more yeah
2: yeah a, cu- a couple of small things the most important being Kemp Bazemore's return that is significant not only because he can help the hawks rotation even though at least as of right now he's not starting they had her start at the, at the two Bazemore was on a minutes limit, but because we're now one week ahead of the trade deadline, Bazemore is a potential trade target, so getting him on the floor is useful because if a team is acquiring him, it's for his ability as a basketball player.
0: Yeah, and he looked fine, I I thought. Uh, Two of four uh, from three had a a drive to the basket where he got fouled, uh, moved his feet okay uh, on defense, uh, and a couple times they tried him in in isolation. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this Memphis-Minnesota game. I only picked it up uh, in the last maybe five minutes plus the overtime. Did did you see more of it during the meat of this game?
2: I did. I ended up, well, it wasn't very hard to because Carl Anthony Towns only played 12 minutes in the first three quarters of this game due to foul trouble. I watched almost exclusively the the time that he didn't play and minnesota's offense it was it was just a rough ragged game and some games like that it's because the defenses are doing really well i did not particularly think it was that in here it was just both teams offenses were rough justin holiday started but was zero for 10 from the field wiggins was Oof. four for 19 on a, on a lot of rough shots and Bayless started and you know he had actually had a pretty good night as a distributor missed a couple of shots but it just, they weren't creating that many good looks especially with Carl I Towns not on the floor and it was just it was just a lot of ugly ugly basketball and then things started to clean up in the early part of the third when Towns played and then looked like things were getting closer in the fourth but then it just completely devolved into absolute trash late in the fourth quarter as well.
0: Part of the reason for that, it was a very slow pace, only 89 possessions through regulation. I mean, your average game is pretty close to 100 these days. But the other reason for that is that Marcus Gasol is just a fabulous post defender and any young big should watch the way he defends because you know you're not allowed to put two hands in the back of the the guy in the post well Gasol usually when you get caught for that is you just start leaning on the guy before he even makes his move and what Gasol does is as the guy towns who usually can back down on just about anybody as the guy tries to lower his shoulder and create space and get into position that's when Gasol actually puts that second arm up and almost delivers like a blow with his forearm arm right as the guy smashes into him and you know it helps to be you know seven1 and like 280 but uh he just like would not let Towns back down and I thought towns could have had a better approach in that he should have just faced him up and gotten into his jab step game tried to look for the face-up jump shot and then tried to drive by instead he kept trying to back down into a hook shot and just was making absolutely zero progress whatsoever he finished seven out of 17 for only 16 points and only two free throw attempts he, Did miss all six of his three-point attempts which i wouldn't say this all had that much to do with um and, and we'll get to the very end here but another thought that i had is just i mean andrew wiggins was four of 19 for 12 points i mean they're running everything through jared bayless all three of their point guards are out with ankle sprains and what does it say about andrew wiggins making 27 million dollars this year that even with all of your point guards out you're still not putting the ball in his hands either iso or post up or run pick and roll as your primary perimeter creator instead you're going to jared bayless and not only that going to jared bayless is the correct decision (laughs) he had 19 to 12 and was plus 17 in this game they signed isaiah Cannon to a 10-day contract and he was promptly negative 17 picking up right where he left off and plus minus in phoenix so it was uh the other interesting thing was that uh anthony tolliver actually was closing this game at the three they had wiggins at the two gibson at, at four and towns at five so i mean needed win for the wolves the Grizz have some guys out Kyle Anderson has made his return he, he's been back for a couple of games I think he's helped them just to shore up their defense a, a little bit uh but you know they played Gasol 43 minutes Conley 42 minutes he was fantastic and still ended up losing this one um Jamichael Green was supposedly back from a sore knee only played five minutes so you would presume that that started bothering him again so they went to uh, Ivan Rabb, who actually had probably the best game of his career uh Bruno Caboclo is playing off the the bench uh, for the Grizz as well what did you see from him in his 32 minutes.
2: Well, the most memorable stretch was at the... I think it was the end of this it was in the second quarter he blocked Andrew Wiggins twice in pretty quick succession which was exciting and he's Caboclo is aggressive looking for his shot which is still I don't know it's still jarring for me because I never thought of him as a particularly good shooter but he is very confident and I still don't obviously see it all the way with him but he, every once in a while he has a sign like I could see I could see Bruno being a player who goes overseas with more playing time just figures a few more things out and then whether he chooses to come back. Or not, could be an NBA caliber player in his middle late 20s. I could see that happening with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, for all the fact that he's playing, he is shooting 32% and 28% from threes, averaging 23 minutes over his last four games. He did hit a huge wing three in the last couple minutes of regulation, but that was his one make of five. I did think he did some nice things defensively. He had some pretty good close odds. You mentioned those blocks. So he is, I mean, that's always what it was for him. I mean, the shooting, number one, but number two, he wasn't really translating that 7-7 wingspan into doing a ton defensively. So can quickly talk about uh, the end of regulation wolves went no time out after with it tied after a conley floater just barely slipped off the rim and they ended up with jared bayless just taking a, a contested shot didn't really run much of a play uh, they knew at least to run the time down they got a quick offensive rebound out in the corner and bayless uh almost to the same spot that towns actually hit the game winner from off of his own offensive rebound uh in overtime but bayless couldn't get a shot off really after uh, uh off of that oh wait, they didn't really we... run a play yeah good
2: i want talk about the two possessions that immediately preceded that so the last two possessions the, so to start the last minute it was a, a two-point memphis lead Min- minnesota couldn't get anything going and it was actually i believe a deflected pass so towns had to throw up a ball from half court that ended up it almost got rim and then that would have maybe been to another possession for minnesota he missed it so it was a a 24 second violation then jaron jackson jr is driving the lane and j- uh, it's one of those calls that's probably even if they modify the charge rule will probably end up there because he was just barreling in to the lane well
0: north. no but see that was still a bullshit call though because it was. oliver was still moving forward when the contact occurred
2: well i was thinking more of like the college rule where like even there are certain times where even if the defender is doing something i just thought that he was from what i recall and i'm doing this from memory that that jackson was going a little bit was going a little bit recklessly down there I, it's possible my memory yeah, i mean but,
0: but like Tolliver, the way Tolliver was able to get in front of him so quickly was that he was able to still be moving when the contact occurred. Yeah, you can you can absolutely get in front of a guy real quickly if you don't have to actually stop before he hits you. And so he just you know moved in front of him but was still moving. I mean he wasn't even moving sideways he was moving forward I mean and created the collision like that is there's no way that he's no more Tolliver's no more entitled to that space moving forward than Jackson is when he's moving forward to me.
2: So it's a fair point. Um and then right before yeah. that then the last play before the Conway missed layup was uh a nice after a timeout by saunders they ran a, a fake dho which is i think going to become an, an even more trendy play over the next little while because yeah. it's so hard to counter and towns just rolled right to the rim for the only clean look of the entire final minute of regulation
0: yeah that that was a really good one they called a timeout and, and got the 240 i mean teams are running that all the time now i think it's gotten really the big one that i think popularized it was that valentunas dunk last year that like tied the game i can't remember who that was against um but yeah, then in the overtime, Andrew Wiggins, and it was interesting that Towns in his postgame interview was like, Yeah, Andrew just kind of waved us all off. And so, you know, we uh we have confidence in him. And he's four of nine four of eighteen at that point. And but fortunately, the rebound, I mean, this was just unlucky for the Grizzly. I mean, Gasol had a good box out, and the shot was so far off by Wiggins that it somehow bounced on the fly like 15 feet into the right corner. And then Towns, I mean, that's just an impossible shot over his. Right right shoulder threw it up like that it was a fantastic game winner for him so that uh, i mean a loss there could have been really damaging to the wolves very faint playoff odds and you know they're sticking around uh, hopefully they can get a little healthier at point guard here get covington back i mean they've they've managed to not get completely killed during this stretch i thought it would actually i mean if you would told me uh, how many injuries they would have in january i would have told you they'd have a much worse record i'm not sure exactly what their record is maybe i should check that but uh but i mean you know they've been uh, keeping their head above water they haven't had like a bunch of bad losses or anything
2: well and minnesota's odds might get a little bit of a boost if it looks like new orleans is going to Shift down a little bit because that just narrows the number of teams that are really competing for those final two slots in the Western Conference.
0: Okay, I still want to talk about Knicks and Dallas. And also get to some news as well. Maybe we'll save Nick's Dallas for the end and, and do the news. But first, this from Homesick Candles, which are going to actually give you a good Valentine's Day gift. It's different than the usual stuff. If you've been together for a while, what's the most powerful thing that you have together as a couple it, is your memories. And Homesick Candles' unique scents reflect all U.S. states and dozens of cities around the world. So if there's a place that, that's really special to you guys, maybe where you met or where you went on a really romantic vacation, vacation homesick candles are a thoughtful way to tell the story of your relationship's journey each candle is made from a natural soy wax blend and comes in a beautiful gift box their new first kiss candle lets you celebrate the spot where you shared your first kiss go to homesick.com and check out the first kiss finder to pick yours i've enjoyed the northern california one that's where my wife and i met and the Chicago one, which is not where we met, but I still like it anyway because I'm from there. So where to get started with them is homesick.com. And for every classic size or three-wick candle that you purchase, you can get a free mini candle of your choice. They've got some college ones as well. That they're coming out with so pick your favorite memories and candle add them to your cart and for each classic or three wick add your choice of any mini candle for free of course you have to enter that cap space code at checkout to get this deal easier or cap space as we talk about all the time here on the program that's homesick.com promo code cap space for this awesome deal this great offer is available until february 15th so even if you are a day late you can still get it but you probably want to order now to get it in time for valentine's day and don't forget that cap space code let them know that you came from us all right let's get into the news here we'll just start in boston where kyrie irving has missed two straight with the hip strain they hope to have him back friday or soon thereafter but they blew out charlotte anyway they beat the nets uh, as well Even without Kyrie, they're way better than these teams at the bottom of the East playoff race. And so the hope is that he'll return on Friday. Those same Nets, though, are, I mean, it's really impressive, even before Dinwiddie went down, that they played as well as they had. I mean, as of now, they've got five guys on their 15-man roster who are out. I mean, Alan Crabb hasn't played now in over a month. Still no word about him potentially returning. Spencer Dinwiddie, it turned out that Karan Butler's tweet that you referenced on a show last week it turned out to be correct he actually had that surgery on monday and will miss four to six weeks good news is the all-star break will mean he won't miss too many games um and but again i mean we've seen this you were talking about sacramento with yogi farrell i mean that guy was basically just about any team in the league could have beaten the offer that he got from sacramento or dallas and definitely any team in the league could have beaten the offer that the nets gave for shaz napier and he's played well he played well in that game we did part of for the nba cast yesterday against the bulls and he's totally a quality backup point guard i think the nets will run into trouble at the end of games if they're playing against a team that's going to play small and switch because dinwiddie was kind of their switch breaker and the one guy in the team who could do anything in an iso whereas D'Angelo Russell really you know unless he's got a huge size advantage he could back down on the post just isn't gonna be able to create the separation there so we've seen them really turn things around in close games a ton and that was not gonna be sustainable as you've made the point for a long time uh to begin with and now without Dinwiddie I think it's gonna be even more difficult uh what else is going wrong here for the Nets in terms of injuries
2: well the more longer term ones well not more longer term necessarily than Dinwiddie Jared Dudley is still dealing with his hamstring issue he might not be back until after the all-star break karis LeVert still out you know we've heard that that he's doing some significant workouts whether that has transitioned into like five on five more scrimmagey stuff we haven't heard yet so that means it probably isn't happening yet but they've been able to make it through i mean this was their first loss of the game against um, boston on monday that was their first loss since january 11th when they when they lost to toronto so the, a pretty impressive stretch by them Transitioning to the team that lost to boston on on wednesday night the charlotte hornets tony parker missed the game on wednesday that might have been a little bit resty, but it was he also has ankle soreness so i haven't heard anything about whether he will be out past wednesday and cody zeller said on monday that he is about a week away so hopefully he can come back before the all-star break
0: yeah zeller missing time uh, with that hand injury chicago looking at another potential big injury to their young core chandler Hutcherson sustained an acute injury to a sesamoid bone in his right foot casey johnson with the real deep cut noting that eddie robinson a proud bulls signee in the i think it was the summer of 2001 had that injury a a couple of times um but this is a little disturbing because Hutchison suffered the injury on january 23rd against atlanta and then he played 41 minutes on friday against the clippers including the entire fourth quarter and you know jim boylan had some somewhat annoying tough guy quotes or just oh you know we love that he wanted to go out there and blah blah and you know th- i mean the coach should praise the player for that kind of mentality but and he said yeah it wasn't hurting him that much he was able to play and then he started suffering a lot more pain but like i mean if the injury was suffered against atlanta why was he out there i mean you really have to question that and especially for that amount of time as well he clearly aggravated it and made it worse in that game if he got to the point where he couldn't play so who knows maybe he would have missed a lot less time if they had just shut him down after the atlanta game I mean, it seems like that was a, that's kind of a medical staff failure there. I don't know any other way to spin it other than that.
2: Well, the other medical element for the Bulls is interesting because Zach Levine missed their game in Miami with a right ankle sprain and they won that game which is actually continuing a strange bah, I'll be polite strange trend for during the Boylan era where they are 3-19 and in the games that Zach Levine has played and they are 4-2 and in the games that he's missed yeah
0: they've actually defended when Levine has been out it's been a much better fit for uh the way uh, Boylan has wanted to play and uh you know they blew out Miami and held them to I think 89 points tonight on the road um in cleveland tristan thompson potential trade candidate i'm guessing probably not though uh there wasn't much interest for him in the mock trade deadline that's for sure uh he's gonna be out for additional two weeks now with uh, this left foot injury. And then Kevin Love actually has been doing 5-0. Larry Drew had some comments about how good he looked and, you know, who, who knows what to make of that. Uh, but he is expected to do a full contact practice on Thursday, and maybe that could lead to a ramping up. It's still difficult to imagine that he would play before the trade deadline, which are only a week away from at this point.
2: Moving to Denver, Jamal Murray has missed the last three games with a sprained ankle, and he might miss some extended time. The Nuggets are a game away from Starting a road trip that runs almost all the way to the all-star break so we'll see if he can come back at some point during that mostly against eastern conference teams though they do start it against minnesota we also don't really know what's going on with isaiah thomas but fortunately jared vanderbilt made his debut he he's played i believe at least a small bit in their last couple games. And he is now assigned to the G League. But for those who remember, Denver is one of the few teams without a G League affiliate at the moment. So it's a little bit harder for them to maintain, you know, proximity with him.
0: Yeah, I didn't see it, but Morris said he looked really good in the three minutes and 50 seconds that he played at the end of, uh, I think it was that Phoenix game over the weekend. In Detroit-ish, Smith has now missed a fifth straight. He clearly re-injured that adductor somewhat severely that's a, a big problem and in milwaukee we'll talk about this first i know we're getting a little out of order Don maker has made a trade request he is not really in the bucks rotation he's been superseded by dj wilson and uh, hasn't really been playing much at backup center they've been going more with Giannis at, at backup center you know whether you want to say Giannis or wilson it, is the backup center at this point that's where thon had been getting his minutes uh with john henson out i actually think thon's played relatively well when he's gotten a chance this year uh so i i totally understand this trade request i still think there could be something there potentially he's flashed to be sure as we've talked about so many times so with him extension eligible this off season, the bucks almost certainly wouldn't make him any kind of an offer the idea to get somewhere where he can play and show off his uh, effort level and shooting as you know i think he's probably too thin and too poor of a finisher really to ever be a starter especially because most teams just play bigger guys as a starter but you know i think he's still a guy who should be in an nba rotation and can contribute so i mean I, i think it makes more sense for him can you think of any logical trade destinations there i mean and also you know what's the right price for him a second rounder at this point at best or is it even that that much Maybe a crappy second rounder.
2: My first thought was some team where he can look good in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, just because we, we have that <laughs> history. But a team in that kind of mix that I, when I was, I, was thinking of a joke first but then if brooklyn i mean they obviously have a davis who's more established but i think thon fits what they're looking for long term in a backup center or at least like an alternate center more than a davis does it'd be interesting if they took a flyer on him as more of a kind of high ceiling play they they that doesn't really hurt their cap space
0: i think there's a lot of teams that he would look good with Atlanta, I would love him in Atlanta. Uh, you know, since Deadman is probably going to get moved, you know, he could step in and be a backup center or compete with uh, Amari Spellman. Um, you know any of these bad teams you might as well throw them. i think charlotte he could contribute there give them a little more defense mm-hmm. um the bulls really have nothing at backup center beyond this year cavaliers can use anybody with a pulse defensively and there's a lot of teams that i think should at least uh take a, a little bit of a look i mean that's just you know going through the first three letters of the alphabet here uh the grizz perpetually need a, a backup center you know and i don't know that you grab him with the idea of him being some huge contributor this year but i think he'd be an upgrade for a lot of teams uh, at backup center uh, and i mean how much does he make next year he makes you would have to send back some salary He makes two eight this year three five next year So you're getting to the point now where maybe you think he's kind of more of a minimum player in terms of his contract value. So maybe it really would be more about just getting off of his salary for next year. If you're the Bucs, take back something uh, that would be uh, an expiring contract. If you're really a big believer in DJ, To me, if I were the Bucs though, I would probably just hold on to him, frankly, because I don't know how much I trust DJ Wilson. They've had need for Thon. He's had some big games in the playoffs. Like, this is a team that, you know, I mean, if he can contribute in a playoff game or two, why move him? you know maybe there's a three-way trade to be made or something to, to get someone who might contribute this year but they're so deep they don't really necessarily even have someone like that so i'm not sure that i would move him They're under no obligation to do so of course but then i think inspired perhaps by Thon maker's trade request someone with even less power and an even worse player has requested a trade as well
2: though marquise chris was taken higher in the draft chris who already had his fourth year option that was his fourth year option right correct declined yeah, by the by the Phoenix Suns and then was subsequently No, it was declined by the Rockets. Yeah, and yes. either way they are they're not playing him because he's not It would have not... been
0: declined by the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, Either it was an inevitability, and he de- he demanded a trade. I mean, I guess he wants to go to a really bad team that could just be like, screw it, we'll play him. And I'm sure Houston would love to find a team that would take on Marquis Chris, where Houston doesn't have to add money to their luxury tax bill. But that might be hard to do. So, hey, if you want to play somewhere else, you can tell them. And it's very possible if they can't find a trade partner that they'll they and they damn well better cut him at that point because they can use that roster spot so much better than Marquis Chris.
0: Yeah, that's true, and maybe if he wants his freedom that badly he'll do a buyout but I, th- I think ultimately if i were him i wouldn't agree to a buyout i mean if he has a deal in place for the rest of the season then yeah maybe you just buy out for whatever you're going to get for the rest of the season but um yeah i mean maybe there's a player in there somewhere supposedly you know he was injured at the start of the year he supposedly came in out of shape has never contributed i mean they've been so desperate for backup center play and he hasn't even been able to get on the court i mean that tells you a lot so uh you know I, and you could see his career being like close to over after this year but you know maybe he can turn the corner but I think you know he's also kind of had these attitude issues and he's pretty low uh, on feel and temp- temper issues and so that kind of makes you a little bit more wary about the idea that he can turn it around versus someone who uh, hasn't had those issues what else we got here
2: let's go to Los Angeles LeBron went through a full practice on Wednesday but will not play in Thursday's game against the Clippers I do not expect him to play on I believe it's Saturday against the Warriors that would be a tough one to come back for maybe he gives it a try but it might be a little bit later than that they're also missing Kyle Kuzma over the last couple of games he is a game time decision in that aforementioned game against the Clippers hardest questionable he's been dealing with I'm trying to remember exactly what the issues but it, Walton thinks it might be affecting his shooting he's been having some trouble recently so yeah I mean and that coupled with Lonzo Ball has been a lot for them to deal with on top of LeBron James
0: yeah, it's a knee soreness uh, from Josh Hart. Boy, Lakers have had a lot of injuries the last two years, haven't they? I mean, they've had a lot of injuries actually basically since Alex McKechnie left. Um, And I think, you know, he left at the end of the Phil Jackson era. And they haven't really, you know, they had Gary V there for a while. He retired or they moved on from, I can't remember what, which it was. I think he just retired. But they really have had a ton of injuries since, I mean, even LeBron got hurt. That one was a pretty weird, acute issue. And, you know, LeBron, he does what he does with his body he spends like a million bucks a year on his body i think he said so i'm not gonna put that one on the staff necessarily but these young guys I mean, we've seen ball of a bunch of stuff get mishandled and re-injured and you know there's always seem to be things where it's knee soreness it's muscle injuries so and they hired this guy gunner peterson who is kind of the celebrity trainer he had worked with players uh, during the summer but had never been in an nba program before uh as a head of strength and conditioning and in an interview last year he said that he was really surprised at the level of wear and tear throughout an nba season so i, I don't know if that would be my number one guy apparently his buddies w- with magic but um who knows i mean you, you never uh, you can only raise a red flag you can never prove anything in these situations but certainly the lakers uh, have been an injured team for a number of years and with a number of different types of players uh, uh, different players who've come through there we talked about the grizz injuries uh, in miami Derek jones has two bone bruises in his right knee so he's not even going to be reevaluated for another six weeks so that's actually led to wayne ellington getting back to the rotation i think he's played over 30 minutes the last couple of games and be interesting to see whether he gets traded we obviously moved him in the mock-off season and you know dwayne wade missed it with knee soreness i think tyler johnson didn't play today either you know who knows how long those injuries are gonna last actually no he did actually play against the bulls with that calf injury after he didn't play against new york uh, on the 27th what else we got here
2: danilo gallinari said on tuesday that he could be out for another week so we'll have to keep an eye on that tyreek evans has been dealing with back spasms he didn't practice for the last little bit, and then he also has not played on Monday or Wednesday. They had a very dispiriting loss to the Washington Wizards. They've been
0: getting their ass kicked lately.
2: Oh, yeah, they um, got trucked by the Warriors, but, like, I mean, this is a, a very different thing for them. So, of course, playing without not only Oladipo, but Tyreek, who is. Not as good, but it, you know can kind of fill fill a similar role. Has been a challenge for them, and I mean it's still even if the Pacers are worse than expected, I would st- you know they're still the heavy favorites to get the five seed and not fall past that. But if they're getting trucked by teams like Washington, maybe we will at some point need to start reconsidering that.
0: Yeah, and maybe when Evans comes back, they just don't have enough playmaking. But I mean, it's really been the defense that's fallen apart these last couple of games, and Oladipo is an important part of that. But the defense held up when Oladipo was out the first time I mean, maybe just mentally knowing that he's gone for the season as opposed to hey let's hold down the Ford until our star gets back is a little bit different of a situation other Milwaukee news Dante DiVincenzo is in a walking boot he hasn't played since January 1st now with the heel issue but with Pat Connaughton Sterling Brown having emerged the trade for George Hill uh, DiVincenzo unlikely to be a factor even when healthy Minnesota Jeff Teague had ankle issues. Now it's left foot soreness that's causing him to miss his last five games. Ryan Saunders did say that Robert Covington is ramping things up in his recovery from a right knee bone bruise, and you know I think it was kind of a four to six weeker at the beginning of January, but it seems like one of these things where they'll probably just wait until after the All Star break. Tyus Jones also missed his seventh straight game, and D Rose has kind of been in and out of the lineup with his own ankle issues we talked about new orleans injuries for the knicks emmanuel Mudiay has a right shoulder strain looks like he's gonna be out through the all-star break at least frank nilakina same thing with a groin issue and he's really with an ankle then a groin and uh, he's really had a totally lost year due to injuries when I mean, he hasn't developed but when it's not one acute injury that has the guy missing the whole year you can kind of forget that you know let's say you play 35 games but you do it in three 10 games since then you miss the rest of the season like that that can be something that doesn't really sit in our consciousness as much as much but you know nilakina really needs some playing time to take a step forward and just it's been available for him but he wasn't able to get it trey burke uh played a lot today and the unit Cornette, Luke Cornette, is also out a couple weeks with an ankle injury. What else we got here?
2: The Phoenix Suns are dealing with a trio of ankle injuries. DeAndre Ayton just missed his sixth straight game with a sprained ankle. Melton could be out until at least the All-Star break, and TJ Warren is also missing time. And there was also, I believe, some reporting that the Suns are not looking to trade TJ Warren, which, I mean, he's he's played well this year, and the shocking sp- surge in his three-point shooting is something that we'll keep an eye on whenever he returns but they have so much uncertainty overall that i was a little bit surprised to hear that and maybe it'll change but you know good to see him do so well this year
0: for philly markel fultz has been back with the team but still hasn't been cleared for basketball activity a little odd there i mean you'd think he he went to la to rehab so was that just to like start the rehab and now he's still rehabbing with the team are they clearing him is someone else clearing him why isn't he still in la if he's not cleared for basketball activity yet shockingly enough something with markel fultz doesn't make any sense bond reported that Dwayne dedman is someone that the sixers have interest in and uh but the other issue there is that's a match salary not necessarily for him because they could do muscala there but uh the sixers just don't have the matching salary we ran into this issue in the mock trade deadline as well and they would probably have to trade Markel fultz but bonten's reporting something that i think we, we've heard a number of times that there's really you know certainly not any kind of decent first round pick available for markel what else we got
2: we can go from there to the Utah Jazz, who are still missing a series of players. They got Ricky Rubio back, which is great, but Dante Exum will not be back until after the All Star break. He's not even going to be reevaluated until I think during the All Star break. Probably a similar timeline with Hall Neto, who has a groin issue, and Tabo, who has a hamstring issue. Those guys not as specific a timeline yet, but we're going through that. And they got absolutely worked by Dame, CJ, and the Portland Trailblazers in the last game of the night on Wednesday
0: for Washington dwight howard is out at least through the all-star break it was supposed to be two to three months we're coming up in the two-month mark right now uh with that lumbar back issue that he had they could still use one more big i mean yan mihimi you know howard would at least be better than him but you would imagine thomas bryant would continue to start uh demar derozan missed three straight with knee soreness but he was supposed to return on Thursday after that heroic Spurs win with Rudy Gay hitting the big jumper, although Greg Popovich said the Suns deserved to win that one. He he was probably right. I mean, the, the Spurs definitely kicked the ball all over the gym late in that one. And then in OKC, Billy Donovan was asked about this he, he said i can't provide really any kind of an update uh, on andre Robertson. so it, this is t- kind of starting to feel with all the setbacks that he's had like it's just gonna be like a season ender for andre and i mean given the amount of time that he's missed and the severity of his injuries you would think if he's not back by early March it's going to be kind of hard for him to get up to the level of just playing playoff basketball and you know with the emergence of Terrence Ferguson lately we'll see whether that keeps up of course uh maybe it's less of a concern than it would have been but Ferguson did miss uh the game against Orlando with a back injury and so did Steven Adams who I mean almost never misses a game he had an ankle injury he must have really been injured unclear whether those guys will return on Friday and finally one other thing we didn't talk about with the Lakers Lonzo uh, has uh, put out there that he doesn't want to end up in new orleans he wants to get routed to new york or chicago well new york won't be taking on his salary sorry uh, unless they can get off of some and uh, you know i mean it'd be nice if the bulls could get him he's probably better than chris dunn but i mean i don't know that he has any power as a guy in the second year of his rookie contract but i mean certainly getting sent to new orleans would be a disaster for lavar ball but you know Lonzo, there's just even if he reaches his potential it seems pretty clear to me that he's never going to be good enough to be like selling all these shoes or like you know his own brand or any any of that stuff so he probably should have taken the money from uh from those shoe companies that offered it to him when he was a rookie.
2: That said, it is also unusual to see a player who is under contract get get it reported of where they want to go because that generally just doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, like where where uh, uh, we don't get reporting on. Oh, Brandon Ingram wants to go play somewhere else, but because there's still the cachet of the balls that still gets out there.
0: Well, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if that leak actually came from his father. Oh, oh, I- I'm confident it did. <laughs> And maybe there is a thought there that you don't want to have to deal with LeVar. I mean, LeVar has completely disappeared this year. I would assume that's just due to like LeBron's influence. I don't know how the, they managed to muzzle him, but there's certainly a concern that in New Orleans, he's just going to go buck wild and cause a bunch of annoying headlines, etc., etc. Uh I Let's talk a little Dallas and New York. This was a huge blowout. Dennis Smith 14 assists in this one. I thought he was really outstanding, pushing the pace. That's something that I think he could get a lot better at. That he really needs to look like more like De'Aaron Fox, frankly, in terms of the way that he plays. Now the guys that he plays with and Rick Carlisle are not necessarily going to really try to get out in transition. And Luca had a a struggle in this one. In the first half, he was only three of twelve but then had a a nice third quarter hit hit a couple of threes there and had two really magical plays one like quick flip three-pointer at the end of the shot clock and another just laser pass from almost mid-court that went through like three guys to Dwight Powell for a layup off the pick and roll the Knicks pick and roll defense was atrocious in this game They didn't send guys through the screen. They were trying to blitz pick and rolls. Uh, Luca was uh, too good of a passer for that. All the time, they would just get it to DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Powell rolling down the lane. And there was just absolutely no. I mean, they're. A lot of times it was like Kevin Knox at the four hazonia. So those guys on the back line of the defense are just, you know, wouldn't even get in front of the guy and make the rotation at all. Uh Knox is atrocious defensively. Um the Mavs were also able to get whatever they wanted with guys coming off screens for threes. They went fifteen to thirty eight. Uh especially off ball. Anytime they ran an off ball screen, they're able to just get either like Barnes or west Matthews wide open if they're being guarded by uh, Knox or Tim Hardaway. Um and Dirk had uh, probably his Best game of the season to the delight of the MSG crowd.
2: That's something nice about the current Knicks is that if these guys are having their last game at Madison Square Garden, they're probably going to have a chance to score some points because the Knicks aren't going (laughs) to stop them. So you know, it was nice to see Dirk. He got a, not a full standing ovation, but got applause. And then he had, he had 14 points in 12 minutes. And it was strange. We, we saw some, I, that, I think it was Dirk, Powell, and Maxi Kleba. So Kleba was yeah. playing the three. And I mean, you can pull that off against certain opponents, this being among them. And like Mitchell Robinson, I'm going to at some point do a deep dive on his defense and his foul rates all high. But every once in a while, you see a moment with him. You're like, oh man, like if he can ever h- harness this, Like he blocked a, a Luka step back. And that does not happen very oh, yeah. often. And Mitchell Robinson is just, he's just so long and he'll go for it because that's what he does and so i was you know you get those moments and you get pretty happy with it
0: yeah he was also 0 for 4 from the line and i mean that's a, a major problem uh for him hitting anything that's not a dunk really at this point but yeah i mean his energy I mean he was the one nick who popped off the page as someone who really was playing hard noah vonley he started and they were trying to do some more switching but anytime he would get away from the rim then any drive basically there's just zero help you know from the guys are out there i mean it was burke hardaway and knox um so the, the the switching didn't really work vonley didn't play as many minutes they went to robinson pretty early in the second half as the game started getting away from him but the knicks are so injured i mean they had to play kadeem allen 18 minutes uh courtney lee just got a dnp and uh you know i thought dallas's backup guys looked good finney smith uh, had nine points i mean I, I continue to be pretty enamored of, of what he's doing I am a little concerned about Dennis Smith's jump shot. Uh, He has been shooting it well from three until recently, but he just has a lot of bad misses. It takes him a long time to get it off. Like, it's not a compact delivery. So he's one of those guys where if I had to pick what he's going to shoot from three over the rest of the season. It would be far lower than I think like the 38% that he's been at for most of the year. Uh, And Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews had nice games. Pretty much everyone had a nice game for Dallas. So good for them. And uh, I do think that like Trey Burke, could be someone who might be able to help a team it's just i just am still like so amazed that like the magic backup point guard situation and the phoenix point guard situation are so bad with with all these guys we talk about like i mean there's so many guys who are just available for free that would have been better than anyone that they have uh, in those situations uh i I know burke was under contract this year but he was basically you know he played in westchester last year he could have been signed out of the g league at any time so anything else on this or shall we depart?
2: We can depart. I'll mention because I couldn't during the mock trade deadline that I recorded a fun podcast with Ben Gulliver of the Washington Post on the AD news and a little bit on mark and mike Connolly in in memphis and and a few other things so you can listen to that whenever you want yeah and does
0: he does he think they're gonna get moved
2: he is not super optimistic he's kind of in the the same camp as us where it's it's uh, that memphis is probably going to ask for a lot and that they might not get it and and also of course you can listen to our patreon mailbag we we do a a subscriber only mailbag once a month that came out earlier in the day on wednesday had some really fun topics in it including like the difference between playoff coaching and regular season (laughs) coaching tanking this year how we evaluate trades the origin of 15 and 60 and a lot of those other things and so yeah we always have fun doing that because it also gives us the license to go really in depth if we find a couple of questions that speak to us but we can you know go we can go on them for as long as we want
0: yeah we put in some work this week actually i, I tweeted out uh, what the uh, all the questions that we answered to it if you're curious you need the boost because uh if you subscribe at patreon.com this is a great time to do it because we're going to be updating all of our salary sheets and making those available to subscribers in real time or as close to it as we can get during the trade deadline. All right,
1: we'll wrap up the week tomorrow. Talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365.